The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. Later on in the show, we will be joined by 49ers senior reporter Joe Fan to help us preview the 49ers, really because that's a team we don't know very much about because we don't get to watch their games because they're not uh, broadcasted nationally very often. Uh, but before Joe comes on the show, we're going to kind of talk about this game from a Titans perspective. So knowing what you know right now, guys, before we talk to Joe, I mean, obviously Jimmy Garoppolo is the hot topic when you talk about the 49ers, but they're also very talented up front on their defense. They have a very athletic rookie linebacker in Ruben Foster. What is, I guess, one key as we start out this episode to beating the 49ers on Sunday for the Titans? Um, I think we have to, well, obviously our, our offense has to play better, uh, and considering the Niners defense has actually been pretty, pretty solid as of late. Uh, I definitely think that's a big aspect, uh, going into this game. Uh, but I think the main thing that will, uh, give the Titans a win, uh, on Sunday is, uh, keeping, uh, Garoppolo, uh, to just field goals and not giving up touchdowns. Uh, the Niners over the last two games, which are the games that Garoppolo started, They've uh, they've kicked nine field goals uh, and they haven't been able to get into the end zone uh, all that often. Um, so I think it's really important to hold them to field goals, which the Titans defense has been able to do almost the entire season. Um, so that needs to continue in order for the Titans to come away with a win. Yeah, I mean, I think you also need to get to him. I mean, you, you want pressure all the time and the team is finally converting pressure into sacks, which we talked about some earlier in the week. But I mean, He's only been hit four times in the last two games. And, I mean, he's two and two, which is not super – and by that I mean two touchdowns, two interceptions, which is not super impressive. It's not like he's blowing teams out of the water. It's just – that I mean, they're just winning close games. And that's that's great if you're the 49ers who haven't won all year. But if you're the Titans who your defense is slowly getting better and better and better and playing at a top ten, top five level right now – you know, you've got to be ready to play this guy who's essentially a rookie for how many games he's played, and it's not like he's playing in like a savvy veteran or anything like that. I mean, he's playing like a young guy with talent, but, you know, the Titans missed the boat when they had a chance to capitalize on Watson being a young, you know, a young quarterback. They need to find the mm-hmm. rhythm, remember how to play against young and experienced guys, and frustrate him early. You know, we want to get out to an early lead, but I think we all understand that that's not going to happen with this coaching staff. What what you can hope, though, is that they sign the offense and just the guys like Dory Jackson and Logan Ryan and Kevin Byard continue to play really well against a young quarterback who you could envision struggling to find a rhythm in this game. So, it, you know, really I put this squarely on the defense and their ability to affect uh, the passing game. 
You know, with, yeah. some, with someone like Jimmy Garoppolo, and I'm sure we'll hit on this later when Joe comes on, as you mentioned, he's basically a rookie at this point and very highly touted, uh, essentially a rookie. But the thing about Garoppolo is, is he's very inexperienced. In each of his first two starts, he has thrown an interception. And I think if you're the Titans defending him, you take a very, very similar approach to the way they defended Blake Bortles, uh, Deshaun Kaiser, and Joe Flacco. All three of those guys committed multiple turnovers against this defense, and it was because there was a nice kind of balance of blitz, 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 and then, okay, we're going to rush two or three and make you drop back and throw it against our defense and our really talented secondary. Yeah, uh, getting pressure is obviously going to be important. It's important in any game. Uh, Garoppolo is actually pretty solid at um, managing the pocket and uh, move, moving within it, uh, not to the point of like a, vet, a veteran quarterback, but uh, he's definitely pretty solid at it. Um, the thing about him is the reason that he's made two interceptions. Um, he's missed a little bit, uh, a little bit of inaccuracy uh, at times, uh, and he also throws off his back foot a lot. Uh, which usually is never a good thing unless you have uh, really good arm strength, which Garoppolo doesn't necessarily have. Um, But he's pretty good at evading sacks, which is why he's only been sacked four times over these last two starts. Um, So definitely have to get pressure on him. But he's he's prone to make some mistakes. I mean, like you said, he's still technically, not technically, but I mean, he's kind of a rookie quarterback. Um, And I mean, he's on the Niners. He isn't on the Patriots like he was last year, surrounded by by a lot of weapons. So he he's definitely um definitely prone to some mistakes. He's and he's yeah. no longer filling in the shoes for Tom Brady. He's taking the shoes right. from Brian Hoyer and C.J. Beathard. Yeah, and he's, yeah, he's fun to watch. I mean, he does kind of remind you of Tom Brady. Like he's very efficient, and you know, other than the turnovers, you know, he looks kind of like you can understand that he comes from that system and that he would have been really good in New England. I'm kind of surprised they traded him for a second-round pick, which, you know, we didn't talk about it, I don't think, at the time. But, you know, a second-round pick for somebody who I never thought he was going to be, you know, the price tag that people said the Browns were offering. But a second-round pick for a decent quarterback who, at worst, is a really good backup quarterback is, I mean, pretty good value yeah. for the 49ers. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, ba- how bad would – you, I mean, if you're a Titans fan and somebody told you you could have traded Kevin Dodd for Jimmy Garoppolo right now, which was a really high second round pick, probably you know, probably essentially the same area um, that they that you know the 49ers traded away. If you could trade Kevin Dodd for Jimmy Garoppolo right now, I mean, you would. Well, do I don't, it I don't know that I would necessarily want that because with that, although you get a phen- phenomenal backup option that's a, a big upgrade over Castle, we would have to hear all these people wanting uh, <laughs> Garoppolo instead of Mariota, which I'm just not in the mood for. Yeah, yeah. there's 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 We're someone all- in the Titans size mentions right now just uh, telling me all the bad things about Mariota, and it's not a fun time. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> If we, if you think any quarterback could function in the offense that Rubisky's calling right now, and whether it's Tom Brady or Jimmy Garoppolo or Marcus Mariota, I, I don't understand how you can watch that offense week after week and think it's a quarterback issue. I, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's a guy you know driving a car that was built by you know I, I don't know we, we we've already talked about this. I'm I'm not going to slander but, Rubisky. On, on the idea that it's not a quarterback issue. There have been many interceptions from Mariota this season where it's like, oh, that was just miscommunication. Some stick out. The one against, or the one intended for Rashard Matthews on Sunday, uh, the one where uh, 
Taewon Taylor fell down uh, against the Indianapolis Colts. And then way back early in the season against the Jacksonville Jaguars when Telvin Smith picked him off after he, when he was going for Jonu Smith. Yeah, I just retweeted recently um, a stat from Mike Renner of PFF. Um, and Which he said I saw that. that. This Mario, is a really good stat. Yeah, he said uh, Mariota has some of the worst uh, interception luck this year that he's ever seen. Um, they have him charted with only 12 turnover-worthy throws. Um, and he has 14 interceptions. Wait, um, I think it's Matt the other Stafford, way around. No, he has 12 turnover-worthy throws and and 14 interceptions. That would imply that only two of his interceptions weren't his fault. Exactly. Yeah. Wait. What? And, yeah, I swear. And he says no, he I, follows I it you, up. With, I think you have it backwards. No. I'm are, are you right saying here. that only two uh, only two interceptions weren't his fault? Hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Go read the tweet. You, I'm reading it right. You said he had 14 or, or like 12 interception-worthy throws. Correct. And he has 14 interceptions. <laughs> so then only two were bad luck, which is incorrect. <laughs> no, no. No, you you're guys right. Are... Matias, you're right. I'm saying that I think the stat is wrong. Wait, no, well, he follows that up with usually it's the opposite way, and he says Matt Stafford has twenty five turnover worthy throws and only nine. Oh, bucks. I get it. So it's not like all twelve of those okay. passes ended up being picked off. No, no. Okay, okay. Did I read it wrong? I got Did I read it wrong? No, you, no, you got it right. It was just confusing. It's like okay, the, the the fact that the defense is completing the turnovers is they're very efficient in creating turnovers where usually it you know there's a larger margin of error like bad quarterbacks can throw bad passes and they usually don't all get intercepted but all of his are getting intercepted I think he's saying that uh just over the season 12 of his throws should have been turnovers and he has 14 so I'm guessing a bunch of those were just either due to miscommunications that he do, that they don't count or they bounced off a receiver's hands, which we've seen. Uh, right, and by comparison, somebody like Matt Stafford should have thrown 25 interceptions, but he's only thrown nine because either the Correct. defender hadn't completed the pass or you know, completed the interception or whatever. So it's mm-hmm. just defenses being really efficient at catching the balls that are you know, not quality. You know, he, There's not guys just dropping interceptions like you see – you saw Titans do in the past where you would have a corner mm-hmm. just slap his hands together and miss the ball. The Bleedy Ray Wilson special. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're just about to get uh, Joe on here, but before we do, uh, let's talk very quickly about the Titans' defense. Uh, we talk, Well, actually, let's talk about the offense because we talked about what the defense needs to do to stop Jimmy Garoppolo. What does the offense need to do to attack this very talented front four of the 49ers? Um, they need to play to their talent level, regardless of the coaching that's around them, regardless of the play calls um, that are that are being brought into the equation by Jerry Robisky, who shouldn't have a job. Um, so the real, the pretty much the the offensive players need to transcend the scheme right now because the scheme is not working. Uh, Marcus Mariota has to revert to some of his old tendencies that that. Um, that really worked in the past, especially last season during that stretch. Um, and the receivers have to play better, as do the, as does the offensive line, as do the running backs. No one is really playing um, 
to the level that they should be um, or even above it. And that needs to change if the Times want to win this game, which, in my opinion, is a must-win game. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, to me, they've got to get the ball to the second level. Reuben Foster is really good, and we all, you know, I think we were all high on him pre-draft and thought he could be a sneaky guy with the Titans' second pick to take. Mm-hmm. And, you know, looking back, you know, I think we're all happy with the value we got with Jayon and, you know, with the other injuries and stuff to Foster. But, I mean, outside of Foster, they really don't have any playmakers on that second level. Like, the de- and, and understand, I mean, there's three levels to a defense. There's defensive backs, linebackers, and defensive linemen. So they cut their second-best linebacker in Navarro Bowman, who, you know, had 38 tackles, which is something still something like eighth on the team right now, even though he was cut weeks ago. Um, so, I mean – they cut a guy who was effective, and if you can stonewall the front, you know, that defensive front, and get up to the second level, if you can get Foster blocked or just make him miss a couple of tackles, because he's a splashy guy, you know, think if you, if you haven't seen about him, seen him uh, think about, you know, guys like Luke Keekley who are really like fast flow, you know, he's not CJ Mosley who's more of let a guy get two yards and then make the tackle. He's a guy who's trying to come from the backside and make tackles for loss. And what you've got to do is you've got to get guys like Derrick Henry in, in space and let them misjudge the angles and get past them and then break free to the third level. Because if you can gash past that line, whether you've got a double team, you know, whoever you've got, you know, whoever you identify as their biggest defensive playmaker on the offense or on the defensive line, you know, if you double team that guy and your offensive line can win those matchups, you can get in a favorable position. Mm-hmm. Now, a- another thing which we won't see, but smart offensive coordinators will do is they'll align their personnel to force uh, a bad coverage. So they would line up force DeMarco Murray uh, to be covered by the linebacker. That's not Ruben Foster, or they would exploit that somehow by attacking the inside of the box, you know, after pulling Foster out. So, we won't see that, but that is a really good way, especially when you've got guys like Adoree Jackson and Taewon Taylor who can be fast across motion to really get those guys out of position. You know, that that's something that I would be very excited to see, but I don't think we'll see. So we are now joined by San Francisco 49ers.com senior reporter and former Titans Online uh, beat writer, Joe Fan. Thanks so much for joining the show, Joe. Appreciate it, fellas. Thanks for having me. So, uh, obviously the hot topic around the 49ers right now is Jimmy Garoppolo. But before we start talking about his actual play, I want to kind of talk about how the coaching staff has handled him. Because they made it very clear at the beginning that his job was not to save the season. His job was to save the franchise. And so, for the first several weeks that he was on the active roster, C.J. Beathard continued to start at quarterback. However, just a few weeks ago, they made the decision that they were going to begin starting Garoppolo. Take us through the coaching staff's decision to continue starting Beathard and why they ultimately changed their minds and put Garoppolo into the fire. Yeah, I mean, from the way I understand it, Kyle Shanahan's system has absolutely no, or what, how I should word it is, New England system and what Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick ran in New England had no carryover into what Kyle Shanahan runs hmm. in San Francisco, which makes it incredibly difficult to learn in a brand new language in a week's time or a couple days time or two weeks time and get ready to go. Um, and so that was why, you know, there's no reason, especially in a lost season that's not head of the playoffs, there's no reason to rush Jimmy Garoppolo onto the field. Uh, and they remain steadfast about that. Ultimately, um, you know, CJ Beathard getting nicked up a knee injury against the Seahawks 
Um, team didn't play great. Uh, almost forced Kyle Shanahan's hand, um, and he made the switch. So, granted, Jimmy Garoppolo is still not by any stretch an expert of this offense. I, don't, I wouldn't even say he knows a majority of the offense, but what they're doing is now that he is the starting quarterback, the game plan is geared towards what he knows to where you know he's mastering the game plan. You know, think of it as you know you're in school and you're learning one lesson and mastering that lesson. You know, halfway through, but you have no idea what came before it. Um, I would say that's it's kind of an apt comparison, um, you know, or use case in this situation. So he's done very well for sure. Um, but that's the benefit you get him in here, you know, in October or early November as opposed to March when you know, he might have become available in free agency, and then all of a sudden he's got a jump start on it. But he won't really master what Kyle Shanahan's asking him to do here in San Francisco uh, until the season's over. Hey, Joe, this is Matias. Uh, I wanted to ask you about a player that on offense that Garoppolo has really found some chemistry with, uh, and that's Marquise Goodwin. Uh, he's currently in the midst of, of a sort of breakout year, um, should arguably have more than one touchdown. He's over 700 yards, um, and he might actually get to 1,000 on the season if he keeps this up. Um, he's a former Olympian, I guess a bit of a project coming out of Texas, um, but he never really got a fair shake uh, at, in Buffalo. Um, he he had a decent season last season, but really wasn't used all that much. Uh, what did you see from him in the? I know uh, in the off season you actually touted him as as a, a bit of a fantasy sleeper, I believe. Um, so what did you see from him in the off season um, that pointed to to a breakout year for him? I mean, he's, there's just not many guys that have the athleticism that that guy has. I mean, so when you start at that point, when you can do things that other people just flat out can't do you have a leg up on the competition. And so, you know, when you have an opportunity to step into a role where he was penciled in as a day one starter the second he signed the contract, you know, there was certainly an aspect. You didn't know exactly what you were getting, but, but Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch like what he projected to be. Um, you know, he's worked right, very hard, worked to expand his route tree and become that complete receiver. And, um, you know, so just given the opportunity of being an every down player was, something, you know, a new opportunity to him. It's something he never really got the chance to do in Buffalo. And so, um, you know, he's had his moments during the season, but when you're playing with, you know, a number of different quarterbacks, I think it's very impressive mm -hmm. and a testament to Marquise that playing with three different quarterbacks, he's got a really great, legit shot at getting to his first 1,000-yard season. And absolutely, he's been Jimmy Garoppolo's go-to guy. And, and they really haven't connected on the deep ball yet either. So it's been short and intermediate routes um, that he's been thriving off of. And, uh, you know, I think you've seen Marquise come into his own a little bit and, you know, good on him because, you know, he came in as the number two receiver. And when Pierre Garcon goes down, all of a sudden you're the go-to guy. You're the number one receiver, um, you know, de facto, so to speak. And so I think he's done well. I think he's got more to prove. Kyle Shanahan says he's by no means a finished product. But I think he's been a nice bright spot in the 49ers season this year. Hey, uh, Will Lomas. So, you know, Solomon Thomas gets overshadowed by Reuben Foster because Reuben Foster is just – so hard to miss when you watch him play and he makes such an impact what kind of grade would you put on Solomon Thomas's year this far, so far because early in the year he looked like okay this is going to be the impact defensive lineman of this class Garrett was hurt and then slowly his production's kind of trailed off and he's kind of faded in the background on a pretty good defensive line is it just the cast around him is so good that it's hard to notice him or is he just not you know thriving the way he looked like he did earlier yeah, recently chatting with him, he said his, he would describe his rookie season as a learning process. And um, I go back to what 
Robert Sala, defensive coordinator, said a few months back, saying, you know, it was his belief that defensive line, especially guys who were who were on the interior side of things, um, that's the hardest jump to make from from college to the NFL in terms of dealing with those big athletic offensive linemen who are so much better with their hands. Um, you know, that's something that Solomon Thomas has had to get accustomed to, and, and it's been up and down. There's certainly been flashes. Obviously, he's got a motor that doesn't quit, and um, you know, I think the coaching staff here is still very high on him. I don't think at any, at any point you can really judge a rookie by his rookie season, but there are certainly things that are, that are worth being excited about. He almost had a couple of sacks against Mitchell Trubisky. He had two or three quarterback hits in the game. Unlucky to not get a sack there. I mean, so much of that position is, is luck, is what, what falls into your lap. I mean, just look at a guy like DeForest Buckner, who's you know, arguably having a Pro Bowl season, leads all interior defensive linemen and quarterback hits. I think he's got like 17 or 18, and yet all of a sudden, you know, he only has two and a half sacks from the season. So, so much of, of those numbers, you know, there's a luck element involved with it. And so, um, you know, I don't think that, you know, Solomon Thomas has been an absolute world beater this year, but I don't think there's necessarily been anything that really causes you concern for the future. I think you know, this team really, really still believes in him and, and thinks the world of him and, and, you know, expects big things of him in the future. Sure. It's been since um, Alden Smith had his character concerns that ended up getting him released from the 49ers that the team has really been able to find a very good, consistent edge pass rusher. I know that uh, Lynch has shown in flashes, but it's interesting that for the past three seasons, the 49ers in the first round have selected a defensive lineman who really project as interior players, Eric Armstead, you mentioned DeForest Buckner, and we talked about Solomon Thomas. How has this team, who is now playing in a 4-3 defense, been managing the fact that they really have three defensive tackles on their team? Yeah, I think they believe in the versatility of those guys, moving them in different spots. You saw Eric Armstead before he got hurt this year. Coaching staff said that that game where he got hurt and broke his hand against the Washington Redskins was his best game and really feeling like it was clicking for him, but on base down, you know, he's playing base down at the Leo position at the very end, so end of the line. So, um, you know, I think they believe in the versatility of those guys. Um, you know, you don't have your Vaughn Miller type guy because I think, quite frankly, a lot of those guys don't exist. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, yep. they're not growing on trees by any stretch. I think you could look to a number of teams. I mean, just like how teams are desperate for quarterbacks, I mean, how many teams are desperate for that, you know, that guy who could just repeatedly win one on one matchups, right? You can try to scheme pass rush all day, but if you guys, you know, if you don't have that horse who can get after the quarterback on a consistent basis, it makes the coaching staff's job a lot harder. Um, you know, I think Elvis Dumerville done some good things for this team as that veteran presence, but he leads the team in sacks. I think he's got five and a half or six and a half now. Uh, but certainly, it's a focus going forward in the offseason. You got to find that guy who can can, can consistently, uh, excuse me, get to the quarterback and really be that difference maker. Yeah, the Niners' defense has been really good as of late. Uh, they haven't given up over 24 points um, since Week 9, I believe, and that was to the Seahawks, who are piping hot on offense at the moment. Uh, I wanted to ask you about another uh, defensive player, uh, one who's kind of been uh, uh, flinged into into more of a starting role and definitely more playing time, uh, and that's Adrian Colbert. Um, he really he was a he transferred to UM. Um, um, last season, and he really didn't play all that much. Um, what have you seen from him? That because um, he he's been really good for the defense, and he forced the fumble last week. Uh, he's he's a big hitter, but he also has some range um, um, of a free safety type. He might be the best find of the year for John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan in that front office. I think he's been absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic. And to your point, a little bit of a diamond in the rough. Not a lot of tape out there on him. You know. 
to where you can look and see, oh, this guy can do X, Y, and Z. I mean, so much of him is a projection. When they got him here, they started him at corner, and all of a sudden, like, maybe, maybe this guy can play safety. And immediately mm-hmm. it just clicked. And this guy, you know, he's behind talented guys like Eric Reed and Jimmy Ward and uh, Jaquaski Tartan. I mean, how many teams can go four or five deep at safety and still have a guy they feel confident with? And all of a sudden, you look at Adrian Colbert and, man, maybe he's the free safety of the future. I think he's really surprised some people. Um, had a couple of missed tackles that he was real frustrated with last week, but you saw the huge play, the forced fumble of DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, those are those mm-hmm. game-breaking plays that this defense has been lacking. And all of a sudden, it looks like the Warriors have a rookie who might be able to give him that. So he's been an incredible find. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the safety position, um, you know, going forward. But yeah, he's been he's been real impressive so far. I know, you know, you guys cover an NFL team. You know how hesitant coaches and and front office members are about hyping up a rookie uh, because mm-hmm. they just want those guys to stay level headed. And after his first start against the Giants, which also was the team's first win of the year. Um, John Lynch spoke to the media and said, let me tell you guys, you know, if that's, a, if that's a sign of what's to come, if that level of play um, is the norm for him or, you know, what's potential as opposed to just an outlier, and um, you know, he's a real special player. And so for, for John Lynch to say that kind of gives you an idea of what they think of him right now and, uh, and how impressed they've been with Adrian Colbert. Yeah, you know, you don't want to heap too much praise on rookies. And this is the second question I have about a rookie. But I really liked Kittle, the tight end, coming out. I mean, I thought he was a perfect fit for what the Titans wanted to do. And, I mean, he, you know, every time I look, you know, it looks like he's doing well with San Francisco. Can you talk a little bit about what he does for that offense? Yeah, I think he's he's been he's kind of been slowed down with injuries. Um, you know, he had one huge game against Indianapolis Colts where he scored a big fourth-quarter touchdown. Uh, sort of career high in catches and yards. Um, he's had his moments. Uh, you know, he was, a, he was a star of OTAs in training camp. Um, obviously, fast guy, great hands, can get downfield, loves to block, loves to put a hat on a hat and, uh, and hit somebody. He's got the right mentality for the job. I mean, he's exactly what Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are looking for. Um, but he's just struck, struggled to stay on the field. Um, and that might be part of just your first NFL season, what the grind is. Um, you know, you've seen his snaps a little, bit, a little bit limited the last couple of weeks with Garrett Selleck. Uh, really, you know, kind of owning a majority um, of that snap count at the tight end position. But, but, you know, again, he's another guy who has a very bright future here. I think he'll be here for a long time. Um, you know, getting his body right and getting healthy will be first and foremost. But he's certainly got an intriguing skill set that guys are excited about. Uh, along with the Jimmy Garoppolo trade, the big thing with that is he's on the last year of his rookie contract and being a second-round pick, there's no fifth-year option. The 49ers obviously have a few options. They can franchise tag him. They can sign him to maybe a short-term two- or three-year deal. Or they can essentially make him their franchise quarterback and sign him to a lucrative five-year contract. Uh, not necessarily what have you been hearing, but what do you what, what does your gut tell you that John Lynch in this front office is going to do with, with Jimmy Garoppolo and handle him? Because they're clearly not going to let him hit the open market. No, I, and I truthfully don't know because it also depends on what you know what Jimmy wants. Does Jimmy want to bet on himself? Um, you know, as opposed, you know, there there might be a contract that's put out, that kind of intermediate contract for a couple of years. Um, you know, Jimmy might decide he wants to bet on himself, be on the franchise tag for a year, and then all of a sudden he's a Pro Bowler, and now he wants X, Y, and Z. And so uh, there's no, I have no idea. Truthfully, I, I don't even want to begin to guess how it's going to shake out, other than. 
I would be blown away if he wasn't the starting quarterback of the 49ers in 2018. I, mean, I just don't see that as even, you know, a fighter's chance, a puncher's chance, so to speak, that, that that's even a, in the realm of possibility. I think he's going to be here. I would expect that he's going to be here a long time, and that's what Kyle Shanahan and, and John Lynch have, have said multiple times since he got here. That's, that's, that's the role they envisioned for him, and, and, and so far he looks the part. Yeah, I wanted to ask about uh, the running back situation uh, because in the offseason, um, there were rumors that Carlos Hyde maybe was being dangled around uh, in trade talks, uh, and he's going to be a free agent after this year. Um, but it, it seems like he's really stepped up his game this season, and um, he he's added the factor of being a pretty pretty adept pass catcher. Um, it, it people uh, a lot of people think that he's not uh, the right fit for Kyle Shanahan's uh, offense, um, and that the the guy that Kyle Shanahan handpicked, um, Joe Williams, uh, is a better fit. But uh, he got injured and he wasn't able to show it this season. They also have Matt Breida, who's looked really good in stints, uh, and they also added Jeremy Jeremy McNichols, who was who was highly highly touted uh, in some draft circles. Uh, do you think they bring back Hyde? Or do you think they go with uh, some of the more some of the younger, more improving guys? Again, I, I have no idea. It's a two-way street, you know. I think there's got to be interest from Hyde to come back as well, and, and we'll see how the last three weeks here, you know, maybe changes his tune on, on whether he wants to be here or not. Um, you know, based on what mm-hmm. he believes the trajectory of the team is. Uh, I know they like him here. He's been the starter since day one. I think you know those you know the talks of of him being traded um, or not being the guy probably a little more speculative than, than real concrete, you know, possibilities. That's just me. You know, that's my conjecture. I mean, ever since he's been here, you know, there was never a time where he wasn't the number one guy in training camp. There was never a guy, you know, never a game where he didn't start. There have been games where game flow wise, they've given Matt Breed a little bit, um, you know, more in terms of workflow, but Carlos Hyde's the guy here. Um, you know, he's been the guy here, whether he's here next year or not, who knows? Um, you know, I don't think he knows yet. I don't think the front office knows yet. I think they're just kind of getting through the season, um, and then they'll evaluate uh, once January hits. You know, it, it's weird to ask this about, you know, a team that not too long ago was winless, but what's missing on this team? I mean, it looks like you've got the young quarterback. I'm, I'm a big believer in Garcon when he's healthy. You, you know, the defensive line looks good now, and they don't even have Eric Armstead for there, or Eric Armstead with him. You know, once Reuben Foster's healthy with these defensive backs, what what's missing on this team? I mean, you just need more top-end talent. I mean, you need guys. You know, you look at that Houston, Texas team, and, and what's most impressive to me is, you know, they've got a couple game-breakers, and DeAndre Hopkins and Jadavian Clowney, who both, you know, in spurts dominated that game, and the 49ers still able to get a win. To me, that, that, that was a really impressive uh, performance from this team, being able to overcome two big performances from those guys, but that's what you need. I mean, you need guys, like I said, who are game-breaking talent, who can go out and make plays to put the team on their back, so to speak. You know, so you need that alpha male receiver. You need that pass rusher who, in big moments, is going to get to the quarterback. Um, you know, interior offensive line will probably be an area where they look at. Uh, adding depth at cornerback is probably an area where they look at. So, um, you know, you can always get better at every position. That's what they'll look to do. I mean, that's the, the coach and GM speak. Um, but you're just looking for difference makers. You're looking for difference makers in, in, the, in those key roles I illustrated. Joe, we miss you down here in Nashville, but we know you're doing a heck of a job <laughs> down in the Bay Area. Thanks so much for taking time out of your busy practice week to join us. We really appreciate it. 
Yeah, no sweat. Let me tell y'all, I miss Nashville. It's a great town. It was good to me. I, I miss that organization. It's going to be good to see uh, my boy Jim Wyatt and some other folks, yep. uh, Amy Wells and some other folks mm-hmm. at the Titans organization that uh, were so good to me while I was there. Uh, I mean, I nothing, nothing but fond memories and love for the city of Nashville and the Titans organization. I mean, just really great times in my life, and uh, I try to make it back there as much as I can. So I appreciate you guys having me on and, and the kind words, and it was good catching up. And you can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe underscore fan. Wow, that was a really awesome interview. Uh, so, so before we close out the show, let's each give um, one thing we would love to see from the Titans offense and the Titans defense. I'll start. For the Titans offense, 300 yards, three scores from Marcus Mariota. I would love nothing more than to see that. Mm. Titans defense, I want pick number seven from Kevin Byard. I also want Mariota to have a, a really good game. Um, if you haven't checked out his uh, his re- most recent interview where he just apologized to the entire Tennessee oh gosh, state, uh, it, please please watch it. It honestly made me sad because I don't want him to struggle ever again because he's too nice. Uh, so I definitely want him to to get on track. Uh, and I want to see I want to see Derrick Henry control the game in the fourth quarter. Uh, on defense, I would love to see a pick six. Uh, of oh, Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo, that would just be beautiful because I can't even remember the last time we had a pick six. Well, the last time they had a defensive touchdown was Week 17 last year against the Houston Texans, right? Oh, right, yeah, yeah. And the, it, the it took, it took that team an entire year to get one. So I don't know. Maybe right. it won't take this team an entire year. Maybe we'll get nope. it done. Um. What I want to see is I want to see, you know, if we're playing in a completely imagination, you know, land, I want to see Derrick Henry get three times as many carries as Murray. Um, I think we're at that point in the season where I know that Malarkey has said that, you know, despite saying that he was just going to try to split carries more evenly this year, he's come out and very clearly said that Murray is his guy, and that's fine. Murray is okay in limited situations, and we've talked about that, but – this is a time where I would really like to see Henry exhaust a defense. Um, take the pressure off Mariota and just, you know, help your franchise quarterback who's also dealing with injuries that, you know, he's playing through because he doesn't want to disappoint you. You know, help that guy out. Don't leave that guy out mm-hmm. to dry because you're bad at calling plays. Um, defensively, I would love to see Jayon Brown's first interception. Uh, yeah. I think – He's been really close to a bunch of passes. I think he's been almost sacrificing the big play on third down to make sure he makes the right play. And what I mean by that is, you know, making sure he's in position. If it's third and seven, he doesn't try to undercut a four-yard pass. He tries to make sure he tackles him so it doesn't turn into seven. Mm-hmm. You know, he's done well on the sidelines, and he's he's just been involved in coverage every every game where they use him more than 15 snaps. He's looked good at certain points in coverage. So, you know, I would love for him to get his first interception and for him to really start garnering the attention he deserves. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. one, one last thing. Did we decide Joe Staley, does, is he playing? Yeah. He plays. He okay. Because I, I was going to say, if he wasn't playing, I wanted another signature Brian Arakpo moment, but Joe Staley's a really good left tackle. I don't know that we're going to get that. Especially yeah. if Brian Arakpo right. continues to play yeah. inside linebacker. But uh, as we close out, good injury news. Taylor Lewan, full practice on Thursday, will play. Derek Morgan participating some. I would assume he'll play too. So the Titans are looking at a, a fully healthy roster heading into the game. 
Yeah, that's good. Um, I, I, I don't think Morgan's going to play. I, I, I just hmm. I've got that weird malarkey feeling where he said <laughs> earlier he said earlier in the week that he did more than he expected, which makes me think he's going to hold him out no matter how good he is because he knows that Morgan's important for the Jacksonville game, which I think he sees as his job-saving game. I, I would Probably. not. And with how well the defensive front played last week, I could easily yeah. see them the breaks on Morgan, which sucks because Morgan's having a career year, and if he's healthy enough to play, he should play. I mean, he has a chance to make you know the ten sack mark for the first time in his career if he has good games these last few things. You know, and putting him in a position where he needs two sacks in one game to hit that mark's not really fair to him. But I, I've got a real sneaky suspicion that he's not going to play. Yeah, Walden was really good, so he was. Um, he was. So, so we'll be fine without Morgan. Well, we will find out soon enough. Uh, until next week, when we're back to recap what will hopefully be the ninth Titans win of the season that would secure Mike Malarkey his second in a row and only uh, winning season as a, as the Titans head coach. Uh, until then, uh, from Matias Wadner, Will Lomas, and Joe Fan, I'm Luke Horsham. Thanks for joining us on the Titan Size Podcast. Uh, we will be back next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.